When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So today I want to take some time to talk about uh, the Federal Reserve as well as gold. And I'll start off by saying this. The price action in gold leaves much to be desired for for stackers like you and I. The same thing goes for silver. You know, as I speak, uh, price of silver hovering around $17 an ounce. Gold, uh, $14.50 range, around $14.60. Which, which is a far cry from where it was a number of months ago, uh, reaching highs well over $1,500 an ounce. And, it you know, the, the, the breakthrough, I think what was a, at the time a pretty important support level, the breakthrough of that support level around 1483 or 1480 uh, a couple weeks back was pretty significant as well. And since then, gold has, has mostly been, just been trading sideways. And, and that's despite... Um, the, the stock market continuing to move to you know basically new all-time highs despite a whole lot of, of headlines oftentimes contradicting each other about the U.S.-China trade deal or the lack thereof, et cetera, et cetera. Gold has mostly just been sideways, even with, at times, a, a fairly strong dollar. But I think that's going to change fairly soon here. And, and I do think it's going to change to the upside for, for two separate reasons. First of all, uh, I'll start off with a jobs market uh, before I get to the Federal Reserve. So the jobs market, which for a long time has been a kind of the bellwether of, of the U.S. economy, even though we know, most people know, even those people that aren't in, in you know, uh, listen to, to what we'd call, you know, the, the alternative media, the alternative financial media, know that jobs, the job numbers these days are, are pretty much bogus, right? A lot of this was exposed actually back in, uh, well, I'd say probably within the last five years, uh, largely during the Obama era, there were a lot of conservative individuals, pundits, etc., that really picked apart the jobs numbers and, and said, look, like Obama's economy is not that great. These numbers are, are fake. Now, keep in mind, some of those same individuals are, are the same ones that are saying that, you know, today's economy is the greatest economy ever. And, and certainly I'd take issue with that. Um, and, and now, even more and more, it's, it, it's difficult for the Democrats to criticize these job numbers in a high stock market because that's, that's one of the big selling points of, of the Obama presidency. But even more and more, I think people are realizing these job numbers are, are doctored. And that's, that's putting it lightly. But anyways, they, they, they do, there is an element of, of truth in them. There's an element of... Uh, uh, an actual indicator of of economic growth or contraction, and you know I, I want to start off with a, an article from, of course, Zero Hedge, titled "Why the U.S. Job Market Is About to Crack in Eight Charts." They break down why, you know, with some of the recent weak growth in the United States, which is indicating a pretty poor uh, GDP number for quarter four of 2019 as well as a ton of other indicators, um, including survey information, um, 
ISM numbers, et cetera, et cetera, that indicate, as well as one of the Fed's, I should say, one of the Fed's favorite indicators, JOLTS, which is a job opening indicator. Um, a ton of different indicators are pointing to uh, a, a really poor job numbers coming up here, either a, a full-on decline or really a stagnation, which is not what the the U.S. economy has really experienced since the, the Great Recession. Now, I mean, uh, inevitably, with the first week, first month or whatever of, of these poor payroll numbers, of course you're going to get, um, I can guarantee you, CNBC and others are going to come out and say, well, look, it's not that bad. I mean, this is what you get with an economy that's in full employment, et cetera, et cetera. The, the truth of the matter is that, A, we're not really in full employment. Um, the unemployment numbers is far higher than what these doctored official numbers show. Um, and even then, that that those jobs often indicate um, very poor jobs, um, lack of full employment for individuals. So instead of a 40-hour roughly work week, they're, they're working... A, uh, 30 or 25 or whatever. Um, but but furthermore, I think that they will be defending this uh, tooth and nail and say this is not a big deal. We're not heading into a recession unless, of course, the, the media chooses to, to take up that, that narrative for political reasons and whatnot. Um, but the numbers would suggest that that we are heading into a recession. It would be a different story if we had GDP at 3%, 4%, and job numbers were lackluster, right? But instead, we have GDP looking like it's probably going to come in around somewhere between 0 and 1% growth for quarter 4 GDP, which, again, is also a doctored number. That's, that is not indicative of the greatest economy ever, of, of full employment or anything like that, what that's indicative of is layoffs and, and people just not hiring, right? That's sort of where I think this is is heading, which I think makes December and, and January a, a very interesting month. And part of the reason for why I think this is gold in particular is going to break to, to the upside because poor job numbers mixed together with, with lackluster economic growth close to 0% is is a recipe for higher gold levels. Not only because it, it can be seen as a, a hedge against a, a major economic decline, but also because poor job numbers and poor uh, GDP numbers generally proceed or go along with stim simulation from the Fed, uh, QE and lower interest rates, etc. Which brings me to the other point. So the first one is jobs. Another point why I think gold is, is in for a move to the upside is the Fed's uh, aggressiveness over the past couple of months in trying to tame these short-term funding mar- markets, which which ultimately I think um, is, I don't know, could be des- best, best described as, as sort of a, a, an act of desperation by the Federal Reserve. And so what they're doing right now, and, and this was something we knew a while ago, they announced this a while ago. But what the Fed is engaging in right now, just to sum everything up, is they have cut interest rates by a full 0.75 percentage points since the summer. Three three interest rate cuts total since, I want to say it was June when they first cut rates. In addition to that, they started a QE program that they're calling Not QE, which amounts to $60 billion a month of, uh, of T-bill purchases of basically 
U.S. government debt purchases, which is going to extend at least through the first quarter of 2020. In addition to that, they have their ongoing overnight repo operations, which basically means the Fed is engaging in short-term lending uh, to to help freeze up this short-term lending because for whatever reason, there's a ton of banks out there that despite the fact that they they can lend, are choosing not to, which which is obviously uh, not a good sign um, that a bank would be unwilling to lend, even at a fairly high interest rate on some of these repo rates, because they're worried about the liquidity position it would put them in, or because of the liquidity of whoever they're lending to on an overnight basis. So they're doing the overnight repo operations on a... a, a at least $120 billion a day. And that's ongoing. So it it's injected and then removed the next day, injected again, removed the next day. So it's not $120 billion plus $120 billion plus $100. No, it's just $120 billion, which at this point is actually only being used to about $70 billion worth on average, something along those numbers. But in addition to that, they're also doing um, some, some longer-term repo operations, which can basically be seen as, as a very short-term form of quantitative easing. And this is new from the Fed, uh, new this time around at least, a, an attempt to to keep these short-term lending markets open through the new year because the end of the year tends to be a, a squeeze for liquidity. If, if the system's already stressed, it, it tends to maybe break around that time period, the end of the year. And so last week, the Fed engaged in a 42 day repo operation 42 days so so to 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 uh recap the fed has been doing one day operations they've been doing you know roughly two week operations this is a 42 day operation a full six weeks that they're basically going to be lending short term uh short term capital and whatnot uh, cash basically to financial institutions and so they did that last week to a total of about $25 billion. Okay, you can add this to the $80 billion plus a $60 billion a month through not QE. And then again, today, Monday, they did another $25 billion. And in addition to that, as we get closer to the end of the year, and, and those are going to extend through the new year. That's why they're starting them around now. Um, that, that's going to be liquidity that they can provide through that, that end of the year period. In addition to that, the Fed also plans on doing multiple other operations as, as we get closer to, to the end of the year. Some, uh, you know, random kind of two weeks, three weeks, uh, 10 days, uh, those types of operations. I don't know the exact terms on that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking through the article as I speak. But, but basically, another tens and tens of billions of dollars that they have to inject into the uh, system. Now, is this going to be successful? Uh that's hard to say. I, th- I think <clears throat> over the short term, I wouldn't be surprised if it is. It certainly was fairly successful in October, despite the fact that they still have to provide, um, or not despite the fact, but but um, even though they still have to, to provide that liquidity to the market every single day. Um, but But it's hard to say if it's going to to actually be successful. You know, history would would suggest that the Federal Reserve, as well as governments, and, and their first attempts to prevent a crisis, whether it's providing liquidity, cutting rates, quantitative easing, uh, fiscal stimulus, etc., 
that early attempts can be successful and and markets sort of go into a holding pattern but then pretty soon people realize that this that this monster that the fed or the government is is trying to hold back is is not going to be held back by even some of this more aggressive operations right when it's all said and done yes the fed has been aggressive with their repo operations which inject a ton of liquidity into the system i think will ultimately have the effect of weakening the dollar but I'm suspect, I think it's very suspect. Uh, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think it's going to come up short. And it's going to necessitate eventually much, much more aggressive action from the Fed. Much longer running QE, maybe even a a large amount per month, as well as um, larger repo operations, and of course cutting interest rates to zero or lower, uh, but but I think we're we're heading into that time period. The end of the year is is sort of make or break for these funding markets. Either it's it's going to break down or it's going to move along smoothly since the Fed has basically become the short term funding market at this point. Regardless, this huge amount of stimulus by the Fed mixed with economic and job numbers that I think are going to ultimately lead many to believe that the Fed is going to engage in further easing heading into the end of the year and and early 2020, I think is ultimately going to push gold higher, right? And I I could be missing something, right? I I don't want to to overlook um, some major item. I mean, I could go on and on talking about the trade deal. I I could talk about, um, you know, whatever else about reasons for why gold and silver uh, could be heading up uh, year end and, and early 2020. But those two things alone, I think, are, are enough for me to say that by the end of the week, or, or certainly I think early next week, uh, gold's going to be turning around. I think it's just a matter of time before it ultimately is knocked in the door of its next key uh, resistance level. And that's probably around 1480 again, 1483. Once it moves through that, I expect to see it up above 1500. And, and things are moving smoothly again. Um, it's just a matter of timing, a uh, matter of, of uh, you know, how long it takes for, for I think, investors and markets to realize this, this short-term problem in the funding markets is actually pretty fundamental uh, to, to the financial system. And for in- investors to realize that this these job numbers are are not indicative of a strong economy, nor are the, the economic growth numbers. So I... I hesitate to stick with it, but I still wouldn't be surprised to see my prediction early in this year for year-end gold and silver prices to still come true. It'd be quite a move for December. I might be reaching, especially for silver. But my prediction, of course, was $1,600 gold and $20 silver. We'll see. We might have to wait a couple of weeks or months. Of course, the first quarter of any year tends to be a better seasonal time. Uh, the seasonality in the precious metals markets tends to, to lead to... Um, quite a bit of a move up in January, February, March, and maybe even April. Uh, so we'll see. It, we, I might be a bit behind on that, but but certainly I think I, I'm not panicking at this point about silver and gold. I think there's still quite a bit of upside. It just takes a bit of patience, uh, a bit of time for, I think, maybe the rest of the markets to catch on to to, to what we are, are maybe seeing right now in, in these markets. So as always, I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning into today's podcast and God bless.